A well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I am so glad you've joined us on the program today. Uh, Coming up, we're going to be talking about a uh, bad bill that has been introduced in Congress, unfortunately not by an anti-gun Democrat, but by uh, Republican Senator Marco Rubio of Florida. Yeah, this bill purports uh, to uh, tackle domestic terrorism, but instead uh, it could lead to uh, government abuse and the deprivation of rights for individuals who uh, have never been arrested or charged with a crime. Yeah, before we get to that, though, we do need to talk for just a minute about this uh, interview that the Las Vegas Sun conducted with uh, Joe Biden a year ago, back when he was a presidential candidate. For some reason, the Las Vegas Sun sat on this interview for a year before releasing it yesterday, and contained within this wide-ranging interview uh, is a question about Joe Biden's gun control plans. Uh, Perhaps the answer given by Joe Biden is why the uh, son decided to uh, keep this interview under wraps for a year. But uh, during this interview, we've got a a story up at BarryAndArms.com about it right now. Uh, Biden talks about using must-pass legislation uh, to insert his gun ban into a must-pass bill, like let's say a budget bill, something that has to get done, uh, throwing his gun ban in there to force Republicans to either uh, go along with it or block uh, that legislation, that must-pass legislation, and perhaps lead to a government shutdown. Um, now, keep in mind, this was interview took place a year ago, so Joe Biden wasn't president yet. In fact, he hadn't even received the Democratic nomination. Uh, he had no idea what the makeup of the Senate was going to look like. Now, with a 50-50 Senate, Kamala Harris casting the tie-breaking vote in the Senate, uh, it's still, I think, going to be... A, a, a tougher road for Biden to pursue that, but he can he, he actually can go through with that plan if he wants. Uh, he would have the votes to try to ram through, because remember, it only takes 51 votes to pass a bill via budget reconciliation. So let's say there's a must-pass bill. They try to pass it through reconciliation, as they're trying to do uh, with the uh, COVID relief bill right now. So you don't need 60 votes. You only need 51. Biden could insert his gun ban bill into whatever piece of must-pass legislation they're trying to use uh, uh, through reconciliation to get to his desk, and they could try to enact that gun ban bill that way. Now, you're still going to have to get Senator Joe Manchin to go along. You're still going to have to get Arizona Senator Kirsten Sinema to go along. Um, I think it is an open question as to whether or not Manchin would do so. Uh, He has, of course, backed the idea of universal background checks in the past, and I suspect that background checks are going to be the first area where the Biden administration actually tries to move legislatively. Uh, But I I, I honestly, I think it would be an open question as to whether or not Manchin would be the deciding vote uh, for a ban on the most commonly owned rifles in America, ban on the most commonly owned ammunition magazines in America, uh, and not just a ban, but the confiscation because that's part of Biden's plan, right? You either have to turn your guns over to the federal government and in exchange they'll give you some pittance of cash, uh, or instead you have to register your banned items with the federal government and they promise to let you keep it as long as you tell them that you have them, right? 
I, I honestly don't know if Manchin would go along with that. I suspect that arms would be twisted. I suspect that the Biden administration would put on a full court press uh, to get Joe Manchin to support such a ban. I also suspect it would be the end of Joe Manchin's political career in West Virginia if he backed it. Uh, West Virginia is a very pro-Second Amendment state. They are a constitutional carry state. Uh, and I can't see Joe Manchin having a political future if he is the deciding vote to ban the guns that are commonly owned by many West Virginia gun owners. But again, that's a political calculation. That, 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 that's entirely up to what Joe Manchin would decide to do. Uh, this strategy that Biden laid out in this interview a year ago is a workable strategy. Again, I think there'd be a lot of political damage, but in terms of they just if they want to say to hell with the consequences, let's just go ahead and pass this ban and we'll we'll deal with the aftermath afterwards. That would be the avenue to do it. So I would encourage you to uh, take a look at that piece of bearingarms.com all about uh, Joe Biden's interview with the Las Vegas Sun and his gun ban plan. Uh, again, that is at bearingarms.com. All right, now let's turn our attention to this uh, new bill filed by Marco Rubio. I'm going to use uh, Senator Rubio's press release to, uh, to talk about this. I don't want to be accused of uh, putting words in his mouth. This is from Senator Rubio's office, uh, reintroducing the Terror Intelligence Improvement Act to make it harder for suspected terrorists to purchase firearms. The bill would also provide more authority for law enforcement agencies to go after suspected terrorists while safeguarding law-abiding citizens' Second Amendment and due process rights. That's, that's what the senator says. Anyway, says that it's going to do that. Will it do it? All right, let's keep reading. Rubio said, after the terrorist attack at the Pulse nightclub, I made a promise to improve our laws to make it more difficult for evil people to get a hold of guns. This bill is a common-sense measure... That already raises red flags for me. That would help ensure that criminals, terrorists, and others seeking to take innocent lives are not able to acquire firearms while also protecting the due process and Second Amendment rights of innocent, law-abiding citizens. Again, anytime I hear the phrase common sense when it comes to guns, yeah, I, I just get a little twitchy because uh, rarely is what they're talking about actually common sense. Uh, all right, so let's look at the details of this bill. The Terror Intelligence Improvement Act would, according to Senator Rubio, quote, Consolidate all federal terrorism investigation intelligence under the Federal Bureau of Investigation, strengthening the FBI's capabilities and making sure that dangerous individuals do not fall through the cracks. Okay, no problem there. Require the FBI director and the Joint Terrorism Task Force to be immediately notified of any request to transfer a firearm to an individual who is the subject of a federal terrorism investigation within the past 10 years. Okay, now my spidey senses are starting to tingle, but this is just alerting these task forces, right? It's not actually doing anything. Just, hey, uh, you know, you investigated this guy five years ago. Uh, we just want to let you know he's trying to buy a gun. I still have issues with that, honestly, in terms of uh, privacy, because once a investigation has been completed, an investigation should be completed. But I understand that is not how the intelligence system has worked in the United States for a very, very, very long period of time. However, it does get worse. Uh, according to Senator Rubio, quote, when an individual who was the subject of a federal terrorism investigation within the last 10 years tries to obtain a firearm, this bill would allow the U.S. Attorney General to delay the purchase or to transfer or, or transfer for up to 10 days and file an emergency petition in court to prevent the transfer. If the court finds probable cause that the individual is or has been engaged in terrorism, the Attorney General may arrest the individual. Okay, well, again, so... So that's not, uh, this is, how do I want to phrase this? Um, 
now we're talking about, again, a, a criminal act here, right? So this could basically, if somebody who was ever the subject of a, a domestic terror investigation, regardless of what the outcome was, and they try to purchase a firearm within 10 years of that investigation taking place, basically the federal government would be alerted to that fact. And then the AG could go to court and using a very low standard, um, probable cause, which is not beyond a reasonable doubt, they can then arrest that individual. Again, to convict, now all of a sudden you've got to use a much higher legal standard. But they could arrest that individual. On what charge? I'm not sure. Again, I guess a probable cause that they were engaged in an act of domestic terror. <clears throat> but it, it, uh, this bill goes further than that. It would, quote, protect the due process rights of law-abiding Americans by ensuring emergency petitions filed by the Attorney General are only granted if the transferee receives notice of the hearing and has the opportunity to participate with legal counsel. Uh, if the court denies the Attorney General's petition, the federal government is responsible for all reasonable costs and attorney's fees. Okay, I mean, that sounds nice. Um, I do have some concerns, though. I, again, we're talking about somebody who's not been arrested, somebody who may have been investigated, but somebody who's not been arrested or charged with a crime at this point, right? And as soon as they try to buy a gun, all of a sudden, boop, that, that turns on this process where the attorney general could try to take this case to court. And again, keep in mind, it's a 10-day period, right? The clock starts ticking. So when somebody who's the subject of the, uh, you know, eight years ago, a domestic terror investigation that came back, eh, we didn't find anything. They try to buy a gun. Okay, boom. The clock is now ticking. The federal government has been alerted to the fact that this individual has tried to purchase a firearm. The attorney general steps in, says, well, okay, we're going to put a hold on this. Ten days later, there has to be a hearing. Federal government has to notify you. You have to find counsel. You have to get counsel who knows your case and can defend you in court within ten days. Or, I guess the other option is, the hearing drags out, it takes longer than 10 days, and in the meantime, your rights are still being denied. I, I have a problem with that. Again, particularly when we're talking about people who were the subject of an investigation, but no charges were actually filed. Uh, Senator Rubio's bill would also require the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community to conduct an audit of the federal government's terrorism screening and watch list procedures and identify any problems in the process of adding or removing individuals from the system. Uh, based on the audit, the Inspector General of the Intelligence Community must then submit a report to the Senate and House Intelligence Committees with recommendations for improving the system. Okay. What, what, if, what, if, the, what if the watch list itself is problematic? You know, I have to say, I, I'm... As somebody who grew up in Oklahoma City, I was not living in Oklahoma City. I moved uh, away from Oklahoma City about a year before the bombing happened, the bombing of the Murrah building. Um, but it impacted me a great deal. And as a young reporter, I actually was involved in covering the grand jury investigation into the Murrah bombing. I have spent time in some pretty sketchy places uh, talking to individuals who had uh, remote connections uh, to Timothy McVeigh. And uh, the Nichols brothers, uh, as part of my first job as a radio reporter, I, I am I am not a fan of domestic terrorism. I am also not a fan of government overreach, and that's what this bill really seems like to me. 
uh, an attempt to diminish our rights. I, I understand Senator Rubio has these due process protections in place in this bill. I understand that. But this isn't happening in a vacuum. Right now, we've got a lot of voices on the left who are trying to proclaim that everybody on the right is, in fact, a domestic terrorist. That if you voted for Donald Trump, there's a problem. That if you are a Second Amendment advocate, there's a problem. Uh, that if you have ever uttered the phrase, shall not comply, uh, that you are now a far-right extremist. And I'm not kidding about this. Check out this headline here. Chris Pratt's Solano Sheriff's brother promoted far-right imagery investigation shows. Yeah, Chris Pratt's brother is a uh, sheriff's deputy uh, in uh, Solano County, California. And the Daily Democrat newspaper has done this lengthy story on uh, Daniel's, uh, Daniel Pratt's uh, social media pages, which includes references to uh, the three percenters. Uh, there's a, a picture of a, uh, a wooden flag that he made that says, uh, will not comply and has the uh, 3% logo on it. I'm sure that the left would love to investigate Chris Pratt's brother. But in fact, this story talks about Chris Pratt a lot too. You know, the Hollywood actor. Well, he wore a shirt once, and I'm not, I'm not kidding you. He wore a shirt once. Let me quote here. In July of 2019, the Guardians of the Galaxy star drew criticism when he was photographed walking with his wife wearing a Don't Tread on Me shirt. People said he was showcasing an image associated with groups such as the Tea Party and Second Amendment Advocates, which expressed concern about government overreach. Others were more harsh in their criticism, accusing Pratt of wearing a, quote, white supremacist dog whistle. This is the atmosphere in which Marco Rubio is introducing this bill. So I have no doubt that Senator Rubio has the best of intentions here. I, I don't think that Marco Rubio is trying to empower Democrats to go after the gun rights of uh, American citizens. But even with these due process protections uh, that Senator Rubio lays out, uh, in this legislation, this bill would be ripe for abuse. And I don't know, I mean, there's no way of estimating uh, how many gun owners who aren't domestic terrorists could ultimately end up disarmed by an administration that would use a bill like this uh, to go out and target those with an ideology that they disagree with. I mean, again, keep in mind, under this bill, the subject of a domestic terror investigation does not, I mean, again, you don't have to be arrested. The investigation does not have to conclude that you were a domestic terrorist. But as long as you were investigated, now all of a sudden you're on that list for 10 years. And anytime you try to exercise your Second Amendment rights, that could lead not only to the denial of your purchase of a firearm, but it could lead to your arrest for trying to purchase a firearm based on the lowest legal standard possible, probable cause. This is a bad bill. I, I, I understand uh, the intent behind it from Senator Rubio, but this is not the way to go about uh, protecting the security of the nation or the safety of the general public. This is a bill that, um, if abused, and I think uh, 
this administration and future administrations may very well abuse a law like this, uh, could go after and deprive people of their civil rights, even though they have not been convicted or even accused of a crime. So, Senator Rubio, with all due respect, sir, uh, I would pull this bill. I take it back to the drawing board. You want to, uh, first of all, I think we need to be very, very careful about uh, domestic surveillance and domestic investigations of American citizens anyway. We saw the, uh, uh, the, the abuse of that process by the FBI uh, going back to the 1930s, the 1940s, the 1950s, the civil rights movement of the 1960s. We know that these abuses have taken place. So I think we need to be really, really, really cautious uh, about the idea of, you know, mass surveillance for American citizens, even in the name of combating extremism, whatever that is. Uh, and the best of intentions can still produce the worst of legislation. And that, to me, is uh, what this bill is. Is it as bad as Joe Biden's gun ban bill? Not overtly. Is it still a threat to our individual rights? Yeah. Yeah. This is one of those uh, times where, you know, Benjamin Franklin talked about um, the idea of, of, of resisting uh, those calls for greater security at the expense of individual liberty. This is one of those times. Uh, as much as I'd like to be able to say, hey, Marco, great bill, it's not. I, and I don't even know if this is something that can be tweaked and improved to the point where it's worth supporting. From a civil liberties perspective, uh, this bill is just bad all the way around. All right, let's turn our attention now to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day, our recidivist report. We will start there with a, a case out of Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, David Elion uh, arrested and charged with a, a variety of crimes after a firing at a sheriff's deputy. Uh, according to uh, WREG in Memphis, David Elion has quite the criminal history, even before these most recent charges. This was back on uh, January 27th. When um, police located a Dodge Charger that had been stolen at gunpoint just a couple hours earlier, deputies responded, four armed males fled in the stolen vehicle, then they bailed out when the uh, driver wrecked a short time later. Investigators say David Elian fired shots at a detective as he escaped. Uh, he was arrested last week, not the first run-in with the law, though. WREG says court record shows that he's been arrested several times over the past six months and even arrested in connection with a shooting outside of a CC's Pizza at uh, Poplar Plaza in Memphis back in August. So despite multiple arrests, including an arrest for a violent crime, uh, David Elion apparently not considered a danger to the community, not considered a flight risk, able to post a low amount of bond, maybe not even post bond at all, just walk out on his own recognizance. Uh, regardless, he's back out on the streets when I think it's pretty clear that uh, Mr. Elion may indeed pose a danger to the community. Uh, this is now two shootings in six months that he's been accused of taking part in or committing. Maybe it's time to up his bond and try to keep him behind bars until uh, he goes to trial. Maybe. I mean, that would be my solution. But uh, apparently in Democrat-controlled Memphis, they're pursuing public safety in a uh, very different direction, I guess. Today's armed citizen story from Polk County, Florida, where the uh, sheriff there says a father of three shot and killed a burglar in his home. This was Sunday morning. Uh, Jory Plummer According to the uh, Polk County Sheriff's Office, burglarized a home in his neighborhood where a husband, wife, and three children were all fast asleep. 
WFLA reports Debbie said the wife heard banging on the front door, then woke up her husband, who went to the front door of the house to check on the noise. Husband found their front door had been forced open. That's when he ran back and grabbed his handgun. He said he found Jory Plummer, the suspected burglar, in his front yard, quote, out of control, yelling curse words at him. Uh, the husband apparently told Plummer multiple times to go home, but when Plummer began to run at the homeowner, the man fired one round, hitting him. Plummer reportedly began walking away, but then turned around and charged the husband again. And that's when the man shot Plummer a second time. First responders transported the suspected burglar to a local hospital where he did pass away. Sheriff Grady Judd in Polk County, Florida, says uh, people have a right to be safe in their home and when necessary, defend that safety. At this point in the investigation, the evidence indicates that the resident acted in self-defense. Jory Plummer, by the way, also well-known to police. In fact, he has nine felony convictions to his name, nine misdemeanors, including sexual assault and domestic violence battery. He will obviously not be facing any charges in this incident. Uh, neither, however, will the uh, homeowner who acted in defense of himself and his family. And finally today, our good deed of the day from North Richland Hills, Texas, a police officer in the right place at the right time, willing and able to deliver a baby uh, in less than 10 minutes. Officer Matt Boyd says, I just fell back in my training for what to do. He said, let's be honest, Mama did more work than I did. <laughs> well, yes, that is certainly the case, Officer Boyd. It was uh, February the 3rd. Boyd uh, was uh, finishing an overnight shift when a call came out from just down the street where he was uh, wrapping up. Dispatch notice, he said, uh, notified us of a childbirth call. He says, that's about a quarter mile away. So I got there. He said he was actually the first to arrive, even before the ambulance. And uh, mom was just moments away from giving birth in her home. Now, Boyd actually served as an EMT for two and a half years in Hood County, Texas, before he joined the uh, police department in North Richland Hills back in 2018. So he had a little bit of experience. Um, he got to the house at 426 in the morning. By 432, baby boy had been delivered. Officer Boyd said, uh, you try to remember what questions are important for transferring the patient care. You just try to remember the important things, making sure the kid's breathing and mom's doing good. Uh, Boyd, by the way, is a uh, expectant father as well. Matt Boyd's uh, son, I believe. Uh, baby, I'm not sure. Arrival of his child. The child is due in April. So uh, hopefully Matt Boyd won't have to deliver his own baby in a few months. But in the right place, at the right time, willing and able to do the right thing to help out a uh, woman in labor. Officer Matt Boyd with the North Richland Hills, Texas Police Department. We thank you, sir, for your very good deed. That is all the time we've got for you on this edition of Bearing Arms Cam and Company. I want to thank you for being a part of the program as well. Don't forget, you can subscribe to Town Hall Media on YouTube or Bearing Arms Cam and Company on Rumble. That way you'll never miss a program. If you just want the audio, we got you covered as well. Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, townhall.com's podcast page as well. We'll be back tomorrow with more of the latest Second Amendment news and information. Don't forget to check out bearingarms.com throughout the day for even more coverage regarding your right to keep and bear arms. Until we talk again, be well, be safe, and be free.